You're tuned into tomorrow. Right here on the Advanced Media Network. This Into Tomorrow podcast is hosted by our partner, Blueberry Podcasting. We couldn't be happier with their service. You can get 30 days of podcast hosting free by simply visiting their website at blueberry.com. That's like a blueberry without the E's. So it's B-L-U-B-R-R-Y.com. Welcome Into Tomorrow with Dave Graveline, the interactive radio network program with the latest in high-tech products and services and the experts who bring them to you. This is Into Tomorrow. Here's Dave Graveline. It's Into Tomorrow for the weekend of Friday, October 15th, 2021. And I know I don't quite sound like it because I think I have a plain old-fashioned cold. When's the last time you heard of somebody having a cold in the last two years? Coronavirus. No. (laughs) Had that, been there, done that, and recovered after a month. Well, actually, I'm still recovering, but anyway. You just sound like you had three or four cigars last night. Well, I wish that was the case, but it's not. It's head congestion, and it's sore throat, and it's just nasalness. And, oh, my gosh. Embrace the berry whitedness. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, um, I am not an imposter, I don't think, although my head is spinning. I am Dave Graveline. I am Chris Graveline. There you go. Some tech news and commentary before we get to your calls, as we're coming to you from the Dexcom G6 Studios, the only continuous glucose monitor FDA-permitted for kids ages two years and up. Be sure to visit D-E-X-C-O-M, Dexcom.com for more. And of course, our weekly reminder, don't forget to back up your important data and check your spam filters frequently. Make sure you're getting all the emails you should be getting, not just from us, but from everyone that you might have been missing and wondering, why haven't I heard from them in a long time? Well, maybe they're stuck in your spam filter. But how about to boldly go where no man, well, actually, several men and a bunch of women have gone before. William yeah. Shatner, a.k.a. Captain Kirk, became another space tourist, taking, the, taking a very short ride on Jeff Bozos's rocket. But he's now officially the oldest person to have been to space, or at least the oldest but it, American. But it's not really space. It's, it's inner, sort of, inner space. Yeah. And, and they were calling them astronauts. They're not astronauts no, either. space tourists. Exactly. But there's old Bezos going, oh, welcome to the astronaut family. You're not an astronaut either, clown. Oh, my gosh. But, hey, you know what? They went up. They had a whole eight minutes in space, sort of almost space, and then came back down and, again, and we're not gonna slammed into Earth in a big cloud of dust. You know, and, again, we're not going to talk about what the rocket looks like. <laughs> but you can, I'm sure you can figure it out if you watch the launch. The rocket did look like that, yes. Yeah. Very true. It's the same problem, and it's it continues to be that issue. But, hey, what can I say? You know, uh, all I know is... Beam me into tomorrow with Dave Graveline. See, Scotty should have gone. Of course, he's been dead for some time, but... Part of him did go into space. Yeah, that's true. They did send some of his ashes, did they not, onto, yeah, then, on a space I, shuttle? Yeah, and, then, and then I think it burned up again on the way down. Oh, God. <laughs> that's a heck of a it's way a, to put it. It was just a second cremation. Aye, Dave. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So anyway, there you go. There's the big tech news of the week. Not that I thought it was really big tech news anyway. You've heard me say before that I've had the, I'll use the term, opportunity 
to meet and and interact a bit with William Shatner in the past, and he's just an egotistical yeah, SOB. I've heard he's not the, the biggest people person. No, no, not at all. <laughs> Unless you're like a billionaire like Bezos and yeah. you get a big hug and all that. But no, otherwise, so you know what? Eh, whatever. Good, good on him, I guess. And now he's the oldest person ever to go to almost space. Yeah. <laughs> beat out the woman last time on the, the Bezos uh, phallic rocket. Yeah, who, who beat out John Glenn. At least, you know, at least he was a real astronaut. That's true. And and see, John Glenn was not a, a space tourist. Right. He and was then, a real and, astronaut. Right. And then when they sent him into space the last time, he was 77. So until this woman on the Inspiration4 launch, he, John Glenn, was the oldest American in space. That's true. But I guess all four of them, including the two paid uh, tourists have got to say yeah they were they were up there for a whole eight minutes senator richard blumenthal a democrat from connecticut made what i feel is the best analogy i've heard in a long time and and to and my opinion blumenthal and best anything in the same sentence is an oxymoron but well he said that facebook and big tech are facing a big tobacco moment a big tobacco moment. Yes. He's, of course, <laughs> referring to the past testimonies of tobacco companies over the years, starting oh, yeah. back when people weren't really aware of the dangers of smoking. That led to things like limitations on advertising and those famous Surgeon General warnings on every pack of cigarettes. So it seems now that history is repeating itself, only with big tech this time around. I can see it now. We, we go to, to Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, and first there's a big warning that pops up. <laughs> this may be hazardous to your mental health. <laughs> that would be good. <laughs> Think about that every time we go onto these anti-social media sites. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say next, but thanks for stealing my joke. Oh, well, sorry, <laughs> you weren't in rehearsal, because <laughs> we don't have rehearsal. <laughs> Net traffic on news sites across the U.S. climbed as high as 38% week over week during Facebook's recent outages. That didn't surprise us. We talked about that last week. The anti-social media platform's disruption also drove a 72% increase in traffic on Twitter. The other thing that is the worst thing to ever happen to America. So, interesting. And and we knew this was going to happen, of course. Actual news sites had real visitors because Facebook was down. And was down again. A second uh-huh. time in a week. They really need to either get their act together or just say, you know what? We've made a bazillion dollars. Let's just shut it down and move on. Everybody can have a nice life now. Yeah. And not worry about how many likes you have. By the way, do you follow me so you can like my posts? <laughs> All the anti-social media, you can follow me at Dave Graveline, one word. And mention the show. I'll follow you back because that's what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Apple will hold a second fall product event on October 18th, followed apparently in the next few days by uh, Google and then another one by Samsung because apparently it's product launch season. Yeah. Um, and they're all doing multiples. Uh, but the invitation for the Apple Virtual Unleashed presentation doesn't provide many clues, although many expect Apple to introduce 14- and 16-inch MacBook Pro-based souped-up M1X processors. Wow, that was a mouthful. Yeah. Uh, these uh, might not be the only introductions either. Apple might introduce third-generation basic AirPods, and we won't rule out other M1X-based products like a high-end Mac Mini or new expanded services. So oh. we'll just have to see next week what uh, they say. You'll report on that because you'll follow up on it. Sure. Being an Apple Kool-Aid drinker yourself. I only I, I use an iPhone. That's the only Apple Kool-Aid I drink. Well, it's still Apple Kool-Aid. I don't even use Apple Music. I, you know, I do Amazon Music. I have an Android watch. So I, I'm tri-digital. 
your tri-digital. Okay, that's true. He tries everything. <laughs> yeah. uh, we talk about uh, all kinds of cool tech. And, of course, our tech news segments are not just limited to anti-social media and, and other kinds of things. Well, how about some cool tech-based shark repellents? They're making some waves. See what I did there? <laughs> Surfboard-mounted anti-shark technology cuts the chances of an attack by 66%, according to some new research. The Rapella or Arpella V2, emits electric waves, deterring the large ocean predators by disrupting their electroreception organs, while the shark stopper taps acoustic signals to keep surfers safer. Oh. So there you go. Tech as a shark repellent in this just a couple of examples of how they're helping to protect surfers. Now, will they modify them to be used by just plain old swimmers in the water who also get shark bites? I don't know. But at least if the technology is working, they then have to do it. You know, maybe you'll end up wearing have a shark wearable when you go swimming. I hope it'll be waterproof. Yeah, that'll be one heck of a tan line. No, jeez. <laughs> At the outset of the pandemic, laptops, cell phones, and video conferencing tools were essential for basic communication between teachers and students. As hybrid learning became the necessary model for many schools this fall, the trend toward increasingly tech-centric education, they say, is here to stay. And it should be. Whether it's because you have to do some stuff at home, maybe you're homesick, you may be like me, you've got what I hope is just an old-fashioned cold <laughs> for a change. And you shouldn't be at work. Why am I at work? Because your name's in the logo. Yep. Well, that's a stupid reason. <laughs> You're the boss. <laughs> How, another stupid reason. How about because the show must go on Yeah. regardless? Okay. But the fact that it's still great to utilize tech-centric education in all kinds of ways. And again, maybe you're homesick, and instead of missing your classes or missing various studies... You're still using your tech, laptops, or what have you. I think that's not a bad thing at all. Yeah, well, that you know, reminds me of what I've heard a lot of people talking about. I mean, snow days aren't something we have to worry about here in South Florida, but I've heard that with the implementation over the last year plus of, of things like Zoom and remote learning, a lot of people are saying that snow days may be a thing of the past. That's true. If it's snowing, you can't go to school. That's fine. Crank up your laptop and yeah. let's, let's do a virtual class. Yeah, that could very well be the case in many schools other than in South Florida. <laughs> I mean, we, can't, we can't quite do the same with our hurricane days because those are the only ones we have. But uh, Yeah. Well, and that's usually, you know, a, a few hours. And then maybe if there's problems with no electricity after the fact, which, again, then you can't do anyway. You don't have power. Uh-huh. So, yeah, good point. Fewer adults in the U.S. are getting news from social media sites often or sometimes than in 2020. That, according to a recent survey by Pew Research Center, I think it's almost worth worth a round of applause. Thank you. Because these anti-social media sites is not where you should be getting your news. Now, Fakebook, of course, seeing a more dramatic decrease than the norm, while TikTok bucked the trend and posted an uptick of adults trying to go to their site to get news which is really bizarre if there's one place it's worse than facebook to get news it's probably tiktok oh of course a little under half 48 percent of u.s adults say they get news from social media often or sometimes a five percentage point decline compared with 2020 when it comes to where americans regularly get news on social media facebook unfortunately outpaces all other social media sites please folks 
don't just get your so-called news from anti-social media sites. Be smarter than that and go to some actual news sites, whatever your preferences may be. But try to get news at a news site, not at an anti-social media site. And you know, and check those URLs when you do get them on social media. If you're seeing a news story that's coming from something like you know Bubba's newsstand or something, <laughs> it's not may not necessarily be a, a legitimate story. Exactly, and of course, some are parody sites, and that's fine. You know, don't, don't believe it, don't take it as fact, but enjoy it for its comedic value. You know, the, there are several. The Babylon Bee, for example, I love seeing some of their posts. They're very tongue in cheek, and and they make you chuckle. And read the story if you're so inclined, and just get what they're doing as a parody. You know, and I've read that sites like the Babylon Bee have been bombarded on Facebook with their little fact checker things oh, because God, apparently their algorithm isn't smart enough to know this is a parody. Stop putting fact check things yeah. on their stories, and they do it all the time, which is so stupid. I mean, they being fake book and so forth. It's absurd. Get it. Get a life, for crying out loud. That's the problem with a lot of those people, too. They have no sense of humor. Yeah. They couldn't even rent a sense of humor to try to see that someone's just doing a little parody. You know, either enjoy it or not. You know, just keep scrolling if you're not into smiling once in a while. You know, Speaking of fake book, their uh, vice president of global affairs, Nick Clegg, says the company plans to add features to help combat the negative effects of Instagram on teenagers. Yeah, right. Including one that will prompt younger users away from damaging content. In an interview on uh, CNN, Clegg pointed out the announcement last week that Facebook had put its plans to launch an Instagram product specifically for young users on the back burner due to those concerns, even though he said the company considers this, quote, part of the solution. Uh, he said an additional new measure they're introducing is something called Take a Break, where they'll be prompting teens to simply just take a break from using Instagram. Because, and that's not going to yeah, work. Because that'll work. Yeah, people are going to think that's a parody. Yeah, haha, that's funny, and keep <laughs> scrolling to the next thing. Of course, they've created the problem. Now they're trying uh, to offer some solutions? Please. Well, plus, they forget they're teenagers. If you want them to take a break from Instagram, tell them to stay on Instagram. Exactly. Teenagers will do exactly what you tell them not to do. Yeah, of course, if, if you're an adult. Yeah. Yeah. Trust me, I've raised one, and i got another one on the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cameron's nine going on 20 almost. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. More and more products are beginning to include 5G capabilities, enhanced vehicle maps and safety features, home broadband connectivity, and even drone deployments are the next frontiers of 5G tech, though, of course, all depend on network availability. Apple is reportedly expanding CarPlay features. Several manufacturers are producing laptops with 5G support, and Samsung and others are now offering home routers for 5G wireless access. We talked about that last week, too, how you're looking for either T-Mobile or Verizon, who's ever first in your area. Maybe it'll be Samsung in the long run. To offer that, you can finally get rid of Comcast, and you'll go with one of those with 5G access. That would be nice. That would be. Let's. Uh, good luck to you, and hopefully that'll happen. Here's Deborah in St. Cloud, Minnesota. Welcome into tomorrow, Deborah. I currently have an Apple i5 phone. I'm switching to a Galaxy A32 G5 Android phone, and they say that they cannot load up my phone numbers or my photos to my new phone. I have to print in everything manually. I'm also interested in how I do iCloud. I pay for iCloud every month. If I just sent all the pictures to iCloud, would I be able to receive them then on my new Android 
phone. Well, Deborah, transferring in the opposite direction is pretty simple because Apple put in the work to offer an out-of-the-box import tool. But, unfortunately, Google hasn't done the same. So you're going to have to face a bit more challenges. Now, your best bet is to look for a tool Samsung made a while back called Samsung Smart Switch. I've used it several times on phones. If your new phone is compatible, Samsung, of course, doesn't list all compatible phones, but it probably is then it will do roughly what Apple's Assistant does for iPhones, and you'll be able to migrate your data to your new phone with not much trouble. Yeah, Samsung even supports other brands, so your chances of a Samsung phone working well with the tool are good, but they still list Android 4.3 or newer on their site as the main requirement, which may hint at the tool being out of date and abandoned. Now, uh, iCloud will back up your photos, contacts, and lots of other data, but your Android phone won't be able to access it. So if you want to send all your pictures somewhere, you'd be better off downloading Google Photos or some platform-agnostic tool like Dropbox and syncing them there instead. So they'll just be downloaded on your Android phone by just downloading the same app and logging in. Yeah, and Deborah, keep in mind, you may not want to just download everything onto your new phone because now you're sucking up that memory on the new device, but download the most important photos or things that you might share or show people frequently. Otherwise, leave them in Dropbox or Google Drive or any number of other places where you can still access them from your phone, download them as needed if you want to post one of them or or share it to somebody. Yeah, because if you're getting an Android phone, you're going to obviously have to have a Google account to use with that phone. So, yeah. that, And uh, Google, I believe, gives you five gigabytes free of storage space on Google Drive. So you can fill that up with all your pictures. Yep. Yeah. Just don't fill up your phone right away. And you're going to say, my gosh, it's a new phone and I've got no more room. Well, because you downloaded all of your previous photos. So keep that in mind as well. And if you've got some additional input for Deborah, maybe you've done the similar thing, then by all means, share it with us, listeners helping listeners, some of our favorite calls. Call in and win stuff. Visit us at intotomorrow.com. Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. We create professional materials and submit them to companies who are looking for new ideas in your category. We have more than 9,000 companies who have agreed to review new ideas in confidence. If a company shows interest in manufacturing your invention, we can negotiate on your behalf. We have helped over 10,000 clients receive patents. We offer 3D modeling and animation, prototyping services, and we use state-of-the-art technology to present client ideas to additional companies. Join people just like you who made the call to InventHelp. You have nothing to lose. Call us for free information at 1-800-460-1663. That's 1-800-460-1663. Again, 1-800-460-1663. When FIFA 2001 was released for PlayStation back in 2000, can you remember back that far? They used scratch-and-sniff technology on their discs, so it smelled like football stadium turf. Okay. I don't know if it was after a game or before a game, (laughs) but but it apparently did. I I don't recall that, but that's interesting. How much time did you spend playing FIFA World Cup? 
None at all. Okay. <laughs> all right. Very fine. Anyway, welcome back into tomorrow. I'm Dave Graveline. I'm Chris Graveline. This portion of Into Tomorrow is brought to you by Autonomous, ergonomic office furniture that helps you work from home productively. Check out autonomous.ai. Stay tuned. We've got an interesting conversation coming up with Robbie Bach. He's an author of a book called The Wilkes Insurrection. But before he was an author, he led the team that brought us the Xbox 20 years ago. And he's now celebrating the release of this new work of fiction. Yeah, very cool interview. So I think you'll get a kick out of it. Do tune in and listen to me chatting with Robbie. When you call in and participate, you win prizes, fabulous stuff. No promises, no guarantees. But when you call in, mention two or three of the items you're going to hear us mention now. And we'll do our best to try to get at least one of those to you. From Carlock, we've got advanced real-time car tracker and alert systems. Uh, Ilago has provided protective silicone cases for Apple TV and Apple TV Siri remotes. Uh, Cosmo, we've still got a couple of their Junior Track 2 smartwatches for kids. We've got uh, true wireless earbuds with touch control from Diesel. And from WGP Glasses, a set of Bluetooth audio sunglasses. Yeah, pretty cool stuff. And all you need to do is join us on the program anytime, 24-7 at your leisure. So call in now if you wish, or the next day or so, and be heard on the next show. And then make sure you check your spam filters and hear from the prize team and get some goodies. Best way to join us real quick? Are using our free Into Tomorrow app or calling 800-899-INTO. There you go. Attention Medicare beneficiaries. Are you getting all the benefits you need? If you have Medicare, you may now be able to get new benefits. Benefits may include eyeglasses, wellness visits, gym membership, meal delivery, and hearing aids with low copay. You may even find plans with zero monthly plan premiums, zero copays on many services, and zero deductibles. Call 800-901-5093. That's 800-901-5093. 800-901-5093. Into Tomorrow continues. I'm Dave Graveline, now in our 26th year, bringing you the latest in cool gadgets and gizmos, products and services, all sorts of tech available today and into tomorrow. I want to remind you to visit us anytime at your leisure at intotomorrow.com. Be sure to snag the free app available for Android and iPhones. And when you're at intotomorrow.com, a little box pops up. If you enter just your email address, you can subscribe to our free once-a-week tech newsletter, which, cleverly enough, has tech news, lets you know who's on the show this week. We also, of course, share some hmm thoughts to make you smile, and a whole bunch of other goodies, including the prizes of Available that week and so forth. So do sign up for that. And uh, you can always unsubscribe. It's very easy. Not that anyone does because we don't spam anybody. And in fact, when you put your email address in that box at intotomorrow.com, you'll get a subsequent email that says click here because we don't spam you. And we want to make sure it's a double opt-in thing. And when you click there, boom, you're in and you get our tech newsletter. Again, that's at intotomorrow.com. Today, more than 3 billion people play games around the world. Gaming, of course, uh, we talk about on the show a lot, is a $200 billion industry and the fastest-growing form of entertainment. 
Our next guest led the team that brought us the Xbox some 20 years ago and is celebrating the release of his new fiction novel, The Wilkes Insurrection. Very cool book, by the way. Author of The Wilkes Insurrection is Robbie Bach. Robbie, welcome into tomorrow. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, Dave. Uh, it's my pleasure. First of all, am I pronouncing it? It is The Wilkes Insurrection, correct? It is indeed. You, you got it just perfect. Okay. And your last name, too, I hope. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that's been pronounced lots of different ways, but it's just like the composer. Good. Very good. I should have asked before we were on the air, but I assumed correctly for a change. Uh, some of the things that I find fascinating uh, about your book, and, I, and I'm going to get into you know some of the other stuff, especially uh, you being part of a team that started Xbox and so forth, is the description on the main page of your website for wilkesinsurrection.com. It's almost as if you wrote it today. Uh, but this is something that I understand your your novel, while it so closely mirrors real-life environment in the U.S. today, the initial storyline was written years ago, was it not? It was. I started writing the book in 2016. So if you think about that, that's before the Trump-Clinton election. Yeah. Um, so it seems like eons ago, given everything that's happened. <laughs> yes. And it is a little bit surreal. So many of the things I wrote about that I thought were, let me put it this way, a little bit out there, um, turned out not to be out there at all. Hmm. Good point. And in fact, I've got to share this with our audience just so that they can get the the idea of the kinds of things that, that you've written about here in this novel. An elusive extremist hell-bent on destroying America. A woman of uncommon valor haunted by her tragic past. A dark web hacker confronting his conscience. A failed intelligence officer in search of redemption. Boy, if that doesn't grab your attention and go, holy cow, wait a minute, he didn't write this like last week? (laughs) It's it's so like spot on. And yet you said back in 2016. So talk about theater of the mind, which a lot of people describe as great for radio and certainly great for fiction. What brought you to this contemporary thriller? Well, what got me started here, I suppose, is some of the creativity I experienced when we were creating the Xbox and thinking about things like Xbox Live and creating a environment for people to share and play games together. And then you you start with some characters, and I literally, you described four of the characters in the in the book there. And I, re- I wrote almost 100 pages that was just about the characters right from the very beginning. Wow. And then I started to see how those characters would mix in uh, maybe not today's world in 2016, but in the world that I saw coming. And the result of that was the Wilkes Insurrection. And it's um, uh, it's awesome from a thriller perspective because it's a page turner, but it's also deep on the characters. And the characters have, if I can use the video game pun, a lot of 3D dimension to them. <laughs> and uh, I think that makes it interesting. It's the interaction between the characters and the plot that makes it a, a, a great thriller. And, and what does uh, the Wilkes have to do with the insurrection? <laughs> How well, did that come the, about? <clears throat> The bad guy in the story, his name is Ford Wilkes. Okay. Um, so that's where you get Wilkes Insurrection. And you'll you'll note on the cover there's a picture of the of the Lincoln Memorial. So mm-hmm. Wilkes is a bit of an ode back to um 
John Wilkes Booth, if you if you will. Oh, uh, so there's uh, and then there's the Ford Theater where Lincoln was killed. So you get some idea of sort of the historical undertones, even though the book is a contemporary thriller. Gotcha. And to talk about video games again, since you helped bring us the Xbox, wow, twenty years ago does does that make you feel old? It certainly does me <laughs> make us feel yeah, old. It, I mean, on the one hand, it, it absolutely makes me feel feel old. I, you know, time has passed. It's it's sort of crazy. I'm going to turn sixty this year, and yet at the same time, I think back twenty years, and I think, you know, what would have happened in the pandemic if the pandemic had happened in two thousand one when the Xbox launched. Hmm. And think about how much technology has changed in that 20 years. It's actually kind of mind-blowing. I mean, Xbox Live, our, our social online gaming network, was before MySpace. It was before Facebook. Oh, All these things that didn't exist. <laughs> Cell phones were, were just starting to become broadly popular. Yeah. So you start to realize how far we have come from a technological perspective. Unbelievable. And and where do you see, as a result, video games or, or, for that matter, tech in general, heading into tomorrow? I mean, we, you know, because of the pandemic changes, uh, not so much or, you know, better, worse. Where do you see us going? Well, I think in the pandemic, video games was a was a great haven for people, not just because it was a distraction for things for them to do, but it was also a place for them to meet their friends. Uh, and to engage with people in a safe environment. And I think what you're seeing in the gaming space is the is gaming becoming increasingly social, increasingly about the interaction with people. And one of the things that I think is cool about it when you compare it to, say, uh, movies, for example, um, there's much more interaction between the people who are engaged in the game. And I think when you start talking about... Um, people use the word metaverse to describe these 3D virtual worlds. You're going to see more of that, and we're going to have the opportunity to experience that in, in very rich ways with our friends and family and, and even meet new people that way. And, Robbie, I think you hit something. You hit the nail on the head. It's something very important that you just talked about, and that is the whole point of being and being allowing people to be more social, unlike what I call all the time these days the anti-social media <laughs> that is some of the worst things that have happened to this country, I think, is Twitter and Facebook and so forth in general. But yes, when you're talking about playing a game and immersing yourself in a game with friends or even people who you've never met and they might be halfway around the world, but the interaction with them and the social interaction with them is far better than just tweeting, for example. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. I always... People always ask me, well, is, is that technology good or bad? And my response is always, hey, look, technology is neutral. People are good or bad. <laughs> and so some people use technology for positive things. Some people use it in a, in a negative way. So my, my belief when it comes to all this technology, whether it's gaming or Facebook or Twitter or whatever, there are things about it that are powerful for good. And, and there's ways in which it can be used that, that are uh, really bad for the country and, and bad for our culture. In the video game case... You know, that, that interaction, that ability to talk with somebody, to see them, to laugh with them. And and, and by the way, you, you're, you, you actually do get to see them. It's powerful. Yeah. And I think the more we, we can bring technology to bring us together, as opposed to using technology to separate us, uh, we'll be in a much better off place. 
We're chatting with Robbie Bach, the author of The Wilkes Insurrection. It's a contemporary thriller that you definitely should check out. Check out his website for the book, WilkesInsurrection.com. And of course, we'll get you there when you visit us at IntoTomorrow.com. I'm Dave Graveline. Stay tuned. There's more with Robbie right after this. When you're a new podcaster, you may need a little help setting everything up. Like us at Into Tomorrow, you want a company that's there when you need them, who actually picks up the phone when you call. That's Blueberry Podcasting. Call 1-877-729-8642 or visit Blueberry.com. That's B-L-U-B-R-R-Y dot com. Welcome back into Tomorrow. I'm Dave Graveline. We're talking with the author of The Wilkes Insurrection, Robbie Bach. How has your time, do you think, in big tech influenced your writing? How do you see technology impacting today's issues? Well, you know, certainly in in The Wilkes Insurrection, there's a whole subplot about what's going on in the dark web. There's an augmented reality company called Cybernoptics that plays a a role in the book. There's a, a great boardroom scene in the book. So it tries to encompass what's going on in in our world today. And, you know, look, we we usually think I'm a big World War II fan. And we think, oh, you know, the World War and all of that and how sad and terrifying it was and crazy. And I think about the next challenges we face. Many of those are going to be in the cyber world. True. And so we have to we have to sort of gear up for that. We have to first understand it and then understand how to how to protect ourselves and how to create a, a positive environment. And the internet is a wonderful place and it does have this dark underside. And of course, uh, being an author, it's all about creativity. And you certainly express that in the Wilkes insurrection. Uh, how important do you think that is in business and art for that matter? Well, it's something that when, when I went to business school, if you said, well, how important is creativity? I'm not sure I would have understood the question. <laughs> And having been at Microsoft for 22 years and seeing the creative minds at work there and the team that created Halo and the team that created Xbox Live, you realize that it takes um, intense curiosity, intense willingness to experiment, and indeed creativity to come up with these new approaches and new ideas. And that doesn't matter whether you're a giant company or a small startup. You need that creative spark uh, to drive things. It's what's been wonderful for me about writing is it's enabled me to explore that. And I was traditionally sort of the business guy on the team. Hmm. And it's enabled me to explore that creative side of my, my character. Wow. Well, now the launch of your first work of fiction, I'm wondering how it is that you went from being a business leader in all the years in big tech to a novelist. I mean, did something happen in the tech world that you thought, okay, enough of that. Let me do something different. Or what was the impetus there? Well, when I when I left Microsoft, I left because I wanted to engage in a bunch of new activities. The, the primary one being what I call civic engineering, which is engaging with nonprofits, and community organizations try to help make our communities and our states and our country a better place. I do a lot of work with Boys and Girls Clubs of America. Uh, I work with an organization called the Bipartisan Policy Center and a number of other uh, nonprofits. And so that was the primary focus. 
And then I started writing about strategy and trying to help these organizations develop their strategy. My first book was a nonfiction book called Xbox Revisited, which is a civic and, and, and business strategy book. And I discovered, shockingly, Dave, that I love to write. And when I sat down in 2016 to write a second book, I decided I didn't want to write nonfiction again. I wanted to really challenge myself to do something I'd never done before. So how do you develop a character? How do you write a plot? How do you describe a scene? How do you create an environment? Uh, That to me was just, you know, sort of made my head explode at first, but it was uh, a new opportunity, a new outlet, much like, you know, an entrepreneur who's decided, hey, I'm going to go after a new marketplace. And and it seems, Robbie, much like creating a game, a video game, because it is that creativity as well. You got to start with maybe an idea, hopefully an idea, and then branch right. out from there and develop characters and do the same sort of thing in plots and, and scenes. And it, it seems like it parallels more than many other industries might uh, for someone who then aspires to do what you did and become an, an author of a novel. Well, if you talk to people who create video games, they will tell you, this is obviously true in in movies and and to a large degree, even true in music. They will tell you it's about telling a story. And even in my corporate life, I learned that the most powerful way to motivate people was through storytelling. Because people remember that, you know, putting a, a slogan up on the wall, people don't remember, but a story they remember. And so for me, this extension of storytelling from my nonfiction business world into the fiction world is just a continuation of the power of, of storytelling and how people remember things and how it impacts the way they live. Well, Robbie, what's next for you? What can we expect uh, coming from Robbie Bach next as we head further into tomorrow? Well, I, I expect as I get past the holiday season and get into January and February, I'll sit down back at the computer again my main character in the Wilkes Insurrection is Major Tamika Smith. Um, she's uh, in the Air Force. She uh, goes on to advance her career after the Air Force. She's an amazing character, and I, I suspect she has more stories to tell. We'll see. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm hoping I'll, I'll have the creative juices flowing, but uh, you kind of have to get there before you, before you decide. Yo, for sure. Robbie Bach is the author of The Wilkes Insurrection, a contemporary thriller that you would do yourself a favor to get a copy of and check it out. It is, as he said, a page-turner, no question. Robbie, thanks so much for spending a few minutes with us. You're fun to talk with, and I look forward to getting you back on again. Dave, happy to do it anytime. Really enjoyed it. Uh, terrific. Again, Robbie Bach and The Wilkes Insurrection. The website is wilkesinsurrection.com. And of course, we'll link you there when you visit us at intotomorrow.com. I'm Dave Graveline, bringing you further Into Tomorrow. Stay tuned. Much more right here on the Advanced Media Network. Attention, those of you looking to go on a fun vacation and see the world on the cheap. Today, the U.S. dollar is worth even more in other countries. So there's never been a better time to travel outside the USA. The dollar is worth over a dollar thirty in Canadian dollars. And it's the same for Australia. You can fly there today and have fun and maximize your travel dollar. Your U.S. dollar is worth over $3 in Brazilian reals, and it's worth over $18 in Mexican pesos. Plus, in Argentina, it's worth over $27 in Argentine pesos. Just think of the bargains you'll get. 
And the way you get the cheapest airfare to any destination is by calling Tickets That Cheap. Save up to 75% on your foreign vacation tickets. Don't wait. Call now. 800-586-8571. 800-586-8571. That's 800-586-8571. Welcome back to Into Tomorrow. It's Cameron Graveline. Yep, we're in our 26th year bringing you the latest tech now. Back to the guys. Well, thank you, Cam. (laughs) I love it. His excitement for being on the air is truly awesome. And I wish he could be sitting here now instead of me fighting with this head cold and sore throat and stuff, because he would be doing a much gooder job. Well, he'll be back in with us soon, because he's testing out that uh, junior tracker watch from Cosmo. From Cosmo, yes, and, and, and loving it so far, so we want to know his take on it. So stay tuned for that, coming up very soon. This portion of Into Tomorrow is brought to you in part by Blueberry Podcasting. If you want to become a podcaster, you'll soon discover the options can be a bit overwhelming. Blueberry makes it easy. Visit blubrry.com. Jump aboard the time machine. You got mail. Time to head into yesterday with this week in tech history. History, 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 history. Here's Chris. This week back in 1879, after 14 months of experimenting in Menlo Park, New Jersey, Thomas Edison succeeded in producing a working prototype of the electric incandescent lamp using a filament of carbonized thread. It lasted for 13 and a half hours before burning out. Edison made the first public demonstration of his incandescent light bulb that December. It was during this event that he said, We will make electricity so cheap that only the rich will burn candles. Most illogical. In 1919 this week, the Radio Corporation of America, or RCA, was formed. The company became a giant in electronics, especially radios and TVs. It went on to own its own television network, NBC, and other broadcast interests. In 1954, Texas Instruments announced the first transistor radio. They quickly became one of the most popular electronic communication devices in history, with billions manufactured during the 60s and 70s. Let's get it started. And they did. I remember back in the 80s, I had my own little transistor radio, and just you know, it was just weird that that was like one of my favorite little things. Like, yes, you know, back I, in the I, 80s. I bought that thing everywhere. <laughs> In 1967 this week, Mariner 5 did a flyby of Venus and sent back data indicating that the planet had no magnetic field and that its surface was unfit for human habitation. In honor of Captain Kirk, almost making it to actual space. Almost. (laughs) (laughs) And this week in 2019, two people that actually were in space, NASA astronauts Jessica Meir and Christina Koch, took part in the first all-woman spacewalk. Oh, yes. Oh. Hey, hey, settle settle down, ladies. They did this when they ventured out of the International Space Station to replace a power controller. That's our look back at This Week in Tech History, brought to you by IFA in Berlin, the global innovation show since 1924 for consumer tech and home appliances. Get more info at ifa-berlin.com. Thank you. Goodbye. Well, you're welcome, and goodbye. And next hour, we've got another interesting guest to share with you. There's some cool stuff, more so, coming up on Into Tomorrow. If for any reason you're unable to hear all three hours on your favorite radio station because of programming concerns, know you can sign up for our free podcast and listen to all three hours at your leisure. 
We'll be chatting with Orly Tall, the CEO of a company called Store.ai, uh, talking about how they help uh, grocers and how that helps us as consumers. There you go. And as usual, check out the video of most all of our radio interviews at IntoTomorrow.com. 